Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Season 2, episode 106 for April 16th, 2023. It's a mixed, 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 mixed reality and more news. We've already got all of our selections in place today, so let's do a quick rundown. We're going to talk about a 100-watt car charger, which I will end up getting. A new Twitter setting could be hindering timely storm warnings from the National Weather Service. A freight train has become allergic to its tracks in Maine. SpaceX is going to launch, or try to, Monday night, a test flight of its giant Starship rocket. And the European Space Agency is trying to send off a mission to the moons of Jupiter. Blackpink uh, did a show in Coachella with a dazzling drone light show. There's some grappling hook horde survival shooter that a publisher, uh, I don't know, journalist, game uh, entertainment journalist is very fond of. And I quote, they're hooked. The mixed reality headset will be the main focus of the WWDC 2023. It's coming right around the corner. Users complain about a bug impacting Apple devices where they constantly get pestered to type in their user ID, Apple ID. Artists gain fame after death and that causes a question over copyright ownership. I think we can summarize that pretty quickly. And $25,000 electric vehicles are coming and there are implications for the auto market, car buyers, and what, Wyoming? Anyway, let's get into the articles. Hello everybody, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com and up there is the AI from on high. I still call the AI that, and the AI does not have a name, doesn't want to be known as anything other than the AI. But the wise and powerful AI, you want to say hi to everybody? Good evening, hometown citizens, and I hope to live up to that moniker. Oh boy. Well, let's give it a shot. Let's see. Let's see how this all plays out tonight. So we've already selected all of the articles. We don't really uh, parse the the news uh, in its entirety. We look at the snippet. We look at the headlines. We have some idea about the domain. Typically, um, every once in a while, I'll get um, kind of sidelined by a a, a word um, or something that's lacking context, which happened recently. I haven't heard from anybody about it yet. Um, so. Maybe I nipped it in the bud before it actually uh, goes viral. I don't know. You'll have to look at the back catalog to find out where it is and what it's all about. But in the meantime, has there has anything actually been pretty systemic in the news today? I mean, politics are always the same and the noise is getting lower and lower. Well, there's some negative news today, which we don't necessarily focus on here. Right. Oh, okay, but so that's what's taking over, huh? I feel like that's what's taking over, and then, of course, just politics. Yeah. Well, we don't really talk about all that much politics-wise unless something is really 
uh, interesting. Um, like somebody comes out of the woodwork and runs for president and actually goes viral and, and like, it's really spectacular. Um, but I, I don't think something outlandish or, or something like that, but, yeah. and generally the news was very light today in general. I mean, there just weren't a lot of articles today. Yeah, there was a, a specific, there are actually m multiple I issues, but um, we try to give a a broad spectrum, a holistic look at the news. Um, now, see, I want to talk about this. That Renfield movie with Nick Cage has a vampire survival style tie-in game, and it has no right to be this good. I've been playing Renfield, the vampire survival style guide, uh, game, sorry, guide. Um, and uh, I dig it, but that's not what we're here for today. We're here for these 11 articles. The first one is uh, a logic rapid power 100 watt car charger uh, see we have this problem in ohm town that um, devices are now overpowering the standard charging ports within you know your regular old vehicle and so you have to do something else um, they they literally are sucking so much power from the system that they're not charging fast enough. Um, and so if you have a, a cord that's longer than maybe six inches, then the power distribution doesn't really reach, you know, maybe the back seat or even the passenger seat if the cord's too long and it's coiled somewhere. Kind of nutty, but this a logic rapid power 100 watt car charger and there's a review at this link over at apple insider has two ports plenty of power i agree so let's just go over to the source oh and before i do that let me get ahead of it i'll i'll throw this into the chat and um, you can actually follow that link in chat and it'll send you over to hometown.com or you can go to hometown.showbot.tv and there are all of the article URLs to hometown. You can read the little snippet just like we do. Um, and then you click on visit the source and that will take you right to the source that we're talking about today. Pretty neat. Um, we're working on uh, reinstituting the voting system uh, into this now that we've got certain other functionality under control. Um, we feel that we can move into the voting aspect of it now. And uh, this article, though, is over at appleinsider.com by Andrew O'Hara. And right out of the gate, they say that this isn't a GAN charger, um, which basically allows this um, different type of technology to shrink the size of uh, a charging system. Um, but this one apparently is not a GAN charger. It says the A-Logic Rapid Power 100 Watt Charger provides enough juice to charge your most power-intensive gear, including your MacBook Pro. One of my problems has always been the MacBook Pro doesn't charge as fast. Oh, well, let me just say it doesn't charge in a vehicle. Um, maybe it might in a Hummer's charging system, but not in your standard, you know, middle class <laughs> car yeah so it says new chargers inside your home have been taken have been taken off as users require more ports in general and faster ones 
Uh, we see multi-chargers that can output up to 245 watts of power at once uh, with four USB-C ports. So I'm going to be clicking this um, later because yeah, I... Yeah, I was going to say we need that too. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I am uh, planning on swapping out outlets. Uh, I don't know if this is actually... This is probably just a wall wart where you plug it into the wall and, and uh, can start charging. Um, but really what we need is USB-C uh, <clears throat> outlets. So you can just plug straight into the outlet. Um, but that also impacts like extension cords and stuff like that. Now, what I most need to know about this car charger is how it connects to the car because that has just been a nightmare for uh, other chargers. Well, let's see. And other see. holders, etc. Just anything phone related in a car just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, and hydro flask related too, but we won't talk <laughs> yes, about that. Yes, that too. <laughs> um, so A-Logic is out with its latest car charger that provides multi -po multiple ports and plenty of USB-C PD. This is kind of a USB-C PD is um, kind of like smart power. So you plug it in and it communicates with the PD circuit and will charge as fast as the receiving PD charger circuit will allow. So it will fast charge um, and it's intelligent. So. Oh, they even say it here and later on. Um, so tried and true. A 100 watt car charger from A-Logic isn't a GAN charger, but it has a relatively compact size. It sticks out only about an inch at most. Um, and has this little green LED um, showing that it, it has um, power. So it has a regular USB and then a USB-C on top of it. And it plugs into the cigarette outlet whatever you want to call it, which that's how most of the time it works. You flinched. Yeah, because depending on the car design, that's not necessarily going to fit where the car charger is, but True. at least it sounds easy. Yeah, and that's this is really where it can draw the most juice, except for a an inverter outlet somewhere else in the car and that's typically not even in most cars um suvs have it where it converts from dc to ac through an inverter um, and then it has actually a three-prong plug where you just plug it in well it says uh, it out it splits the outputs between two the two ports one is 18 watts and the other one can manage up to 100 watts, which is the type C port, which is naturally where uh, most of the power can be drawn from anyway, um, which is great. But the type A being able to power 18 watts is pretty spectacular. Um, but the way that this always works, though, is that it charges capacitors and the capacitors discharge at 100 watts or 18 watts. Um, which means that you have to have a pretty good charging system in place or electrical system in your car capable of providing enough power into those charging circuits to discharge. And it happens in pulses. Um, so depending on the sophistication of your equipment, it can actually, well, I've had issues with lower quality, um, quote unquote, rapid charger. So um, A-Logic is not one of those that I've tried, though. So 
maybe that's what um, I'll have to do here in hometown. Um, so they say here the latest 16 inch MacBook Pro can technically charge at 140 watts of power if using the included USB-C to MagSafe cable, um, but 100 watts is still plenty. Yeah, and unless you're a power user doing, uh, I'm not even sure what would draw a full 140 watts. You're not going to need 140 watts to charge. Um, but don't treat that as absolute because only the Sith deal in absolutes, which is an absolute statement, which means that maybe the Jedi are absolute Sith. Huh? I, it's kind of Aurora Boris, the, the, oh, the snake yes. eating <laughs> itself. Yes. Anyway, it's 80 bucks. Go and check it out. You can look at more of this review if you go over to Apple Insider, um, either directly or by uh, going through Ometown. All roads lead to Ometown and all roads lead out to everything else. Okay, so let's move on to the next article unless you want to say more. Uh, okay. No, but I think we need to try that. Okay. Looks great. Right on. So the next article is in the Mobile channel and it's Twitter uh, as new Twitter settings could hinder timely storm warnings, according to the National Weather Service. So they're warning that Twitter's limit on automated tweets could hinder its ability to post timely storm and other uh, weather updates. Uh, the National Weather Service Tsunami Warning Center and several other uh, National Weather Service offices tweeted out posts alerting their followers that the platform's new restrictions could prevent them uh, from being able to post all updates about weather events that they normally would. Um, and the weather accounts often post several times a day when one or more um, multiple severe weather events are happening. You know, I feel like, well, I won't even get into it because this is just what's going on. This is what he's doing um, as CEO. Um, and I think it's just kind of hobbling it so that it's only usable within his future intent for what Twitter is going to be, which is the foundation of his social network under X. And I've been saying this since it was first discussed that he was going to acquire Twitter. Um, Jared Gans over at the Hill wrote this article and um, they say, but Twitter reportedly announced last month that it's planning to limit the number of free automated tweets to 1500, $1,500 per month or the limit allowed for a $100 monthly fee to $50,000 per month. This comes as one of several steps that CEO Elon Musk has taken to try to increase revenue to make up for Twitter's shortfall. Um, the Washington Post reported that uh, the National Weather Service officials believe that they are only able to post 50 automated tweets in a 24-hour period once the policy starts on April um, 29th. But their accounts often surpass 50 during extreme weather events such as tornadoes, hurricanes, and, and tropical storms. So um, the National Weather Service, though, has arguably deep pockets. So I can imagine that uh, Elon Musk has zero complaints about how do I put this? Um, well, I'm, I'm 16 minutes into the show, so I can probably say this. Um, 
There really has been no compunction about nursing from the national teat. So why would he have compunction about requiring the National Weather Service to fork out $100 to be able to meet its national requirement, right? Its national mandate of alerting the nation to weather concerns, right? And so right. all kinds of money, it goes out to SpaceX, to Tesla in terms of uh, probably grants and probably uh, other fiscal instruments. You know, I, I'd have to go and do a deeper dive to actually align it with certain things. Um, but when NPR has less of its funding sourced from grants and national funds than Elon Musk. You know, contracts that are probably overblown, overpriced because the federal government has massive pockets with all of our taxpayer dollars. And in two days is tax day, folks. So you should be paying attention to all of this because your tax money goes somewhere. Where does it go? It goes into places that you buy into and you don't buy into. I happen to buy into the idea of SpaceX, but I don't like the person that's running that company. Um, well, now for a, a, an organizational unit that's supposed to provide information during times of trouble, they are being throttled by a corporation that changed the rules, moved the goalpost, racked up massive amount of debt, and is now mandating that everybody suffer to make the billionaire more of a billionaire. What do you think? Think I'm uh, going to be right? Think I'm going to be wrong? Oh, I think you're, you are right, but I... I think this is one of these problems where we have all of our eggs in this basket and look how quickly Twitter has become unreliable, pricey, etc. I mean, we need more competition in this space. That's really what we need. Yeah. Um, I think it's a shame. I mean, this is a government organization. So I don't even understand why this is even coming up. Like they should have an exemption, for example, if this was a company that was thinking through its policies and wasn't just out for money. Um, but and had some type of, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Some, some type of um, soul. I mean, you right, like social you don't, conscience. Yes, uh, there you, you go. That's it. that's what I was looking for. You want to say that again? What what, what did you call uh, it? like a social conscience? Right. That and that's what I'm I'm struggling to say. I, it it's not part of the social contract if you are sitting sitting there hobbling something that can save lives. End of story. I mean, you're hobbling it. You're not. You're you're not stopping it wholesale. You're just hobbling it so that you can scratch out an extra hundred bucks a month from one organization. 
Right. I mean, you should almost be approaching organizations like the National Weather Service and saying, hey, our technology allows whatever automated tweets. Right. Do you want those enabled for your account or whatever? Um, right. Again, I don't know all the technology behind it, but it just something about this is just really wrong. It's antisocial. It's. It's greedy. It's but then when there is enough blowback, that's when the pivot takes place. And then everybody goes, thank you so much. You know, let me pat you on the back. But all of this has always been create enough friction, find out what people are willing to pay for and then charge them for it instead of doing a value add and making it worth something now instead of people who draw people onto Twitter being um, voluntarily promoted to verified, everybody has to pay. But the people who couldn't pay, but might be part of a social movement or good cause or whatever, and eight bucks a month goes a long way to, I don't know, uh, give school lunches to somebody because there's, you can make a school lunch with 50 cents if you do it right in bulk. Um, No, now everybody has to pay eight bucks. It's not an equalizer. It's an, it's an elitist gatekeeper. That's what it is. Well, anyway. There it is again, you know, this little bit eke out a hundred bucks from one organization. I'm sure in the boardroom it's, well, if I allow it for one organization, then I have to allow it for all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even the $10,000 a month that you would get from multiple organizations having to pay a hundred dollars a month still isn't going to barely even touch the burden that you created for yourself. You knew going into this, what this was all about. This is nothing more than shuffling the deck chairs. Well, and even just not even accounting for the human aspect of it, but think of when there is a natural disaster, think of the millions, if not billions involved in remediation, cleanup, etc. And I don't mean that a warning is going to stop a hurricane or something, but it might eliminate people from being in the um, path of the hurricane, for example, right. uh, which does translate to dollars. Again, if you're only fiscally motivated. Yeah. You're not even worried about the life you save. <laughs> right. Which wow. obviously is much more important than the dollars, but. Well, not for somebody who makes money off of the repair side of things. Maybe that's it, you know? Hey, if I cause enough, uh, if I allow enough death and destruction to take place, maybe if I invest in the right place. No? Okay. You might be onto something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. So the next article is... In the Daily News Show channel over on hometown.com, but it was sourced from ABC. There's only that little snippet, just like always. Um, Yet another train has become allergic to its tracks. Freight train engines and cars derail and catch fire. This time in Maine, officials say several cars caught fire um, and derailed in Maine. Let's go over to ABC News. Um, Michael Casey. Um... 
Yeah, I said the names for everybody else. Uh, officials say several cars on the fr uh, freight train have derailed and caught fire in rural Maine. The Maine Forest Service said in a statement that three locomotive engines and six cars carrying lumber and electrical wiring went off the track at around 8.30 a.m. in Sandwich Academy Grant Township in Somerset <laughs> County. I'm sorry, but who named that? <laughs> Someone very hungry. Wow. Sandwich Academy Grant Township. I Is mean, that the any, first, middle, and last name? Exactly. Any part of that would have been enough, but <laughs> all of it together. <laughs> so there isn't much um, to this really to say, um, but apparently the, the um, derailment happened at 8.30 in the morning. Um, the preliminary assessment was a buildup of ice and debris that washed part of the railroad track out as a possible uh, cause of the accident. But I guess they'll have to verify that because maybe the wash took place immediately after the incident. Not sure. Um, some hazardous materials were on board the train, the agency said, but the officials uh, at the scene assessed that they were not at risk of leaking or catching fire. Uh, but aren't other cars on fire? Yeah. I don't know about you, but fire tends to spread. Maybe these are the same analysts from East Palestine. I think I they know. are. Yeah. Everything's completely safe. Don't worry Soil, about it. water, air. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That tingle you feel in your lungs when you're breathing, it lets you know you're alive. Anyway, Fire and Rescue Department at nearby Rockwood posted a photo of the derailment on its Facebook page and advised residents to stay away from the area. And the image showed multiple derailed cars and a small fire with black smoke wafting across snowy forest land. How romantic. <laughs> it's rather descriptive given the subject of the article. <laughs> yeah, I hope everything's okay. I can t let you know that uh, the environment will recover. It'll just take time and who knows what damage is being done. But hopefully, hopefully this doesn't become East Palestine 2.0 or 3.0 or 12.0. We don't know <laughs> how many others. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's every day, but just let it be known though, that in 2022, there were 2,200 derailments. And that, that only came into light because people ask questions about how often this happens. And now people are paying attention to it and reporting it. So it's almost every single day. There's a couple of things that happen almost every single day. None uh, of them and it's, good. <laughs> and it's usually because there isn't enough regulation oversight. Huh? And greed is involved. Greed. Greed is always involved. Okay. Well, anyway, um, this next article uh, has nothing to do with trains. Let me throw it in chat real quick. So it is this trains, is, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> uh, it's uh, trains, sp space planes, Rockets. and <laughs> right. it's not really a... It kind of acts like a space plane. But anyway, 
Um, this is in the Daily News show SpaceX planning Monday test flight of giant Starship rocket. Maybe it'll go warp three and it'll draw attention of the Vulcans and then they'll come and we will form Starfleet and we'll have a real Star Trek going real life. Maybe so. All we need are transporter technologies to make things really happen, which yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, SpaceX planning test flight of giant Starship rocket. Let's go over to the source. Meredith Delizo. I don't think this has anything to do with. Can I even pause this? I can't even pause this. Yeah, this has nothing to do with it. Okay, anyway, Meredith Delizo over at ABC News wrote this article. Here we go. Now I can hide this because don't want to see it. Anyway, the uncrewed launch of the world's largest rocket will mark the first flight test of fully integrated Starship spacecraft and the so-called super heavy rocket, SpaceX said. The 150-minute test window opens at 7 a.m. Central Time on Monday. Neat. So hopefully I won't be any in any meetings. SpaceX said while noting that uh, the schedule is dynamic and likely to change, a live webcast of the flight will uh, begin about 45 minutes before liftoff. Pretty cool. Says, uh, oh yeah, that's right. Because we talked about this briefly at another time that uh, the FAA approved on Friday SpaceX's uh, launch of the nearly 400 foot tall rocket from a remote site on the southernmost tip of Texas near Boca Chica Beach, which is like a SpaceX headquarters kind of thing. Um, They own pretty much all of Boca Chica. Anyway, success, maybe excitement guaranteed. SpaceX founder Elon Musk tweeted Friday night. Pithy, pithy statements Uh, following blast off. The first stage of the super heavy rocket is expected to splash down about 20 miles off the coast of Boca Chica. While the Starship vehicle orbits the globe before splashing down off the coast of Hawaii. That'll be a long trick trip back. <laughs> That's right. Particularly if it's by water. So looks pretty cool. It's a, this is an undated photo uh, provided by SpaceX that shows the company's Starship rocket on the launch site. Yeah, this, these things right here, what do they call them? Um, Uh, chopsticks. I think they call these chopsticks Um, or something like that. I I can't remember now. Anyway, it's actually supposed to be able to allow catching the rocket when it lands again, instead of using the little landing pad kind of thing. Um, I think that's what this is supposed to do. I think, you know, I don't know anymore. (laughs) Um, but there was some work and rework done on this because there were problems. Um, but uh, that's what prototyping is all about. That's what rapid development is all about. So good on them for continuing the effort. Um, I'm sure it wasn't cheap for, um, you know, taxpayers. Okay. I am going to continue on with the next, but don't forget folks, 7am central tomorrow. I might be able to post this tonight, so we'll see. Um, the next article is in the Mobile Channel. A European Space Agency mission is headed for the icy moons of Jupiter. That's right. The ESA has launched the 
Uh, Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. And they worked hard to get that. Juice. <laughs> on an eight-year uh, voyage to the moons of Jupiter, starting on July 31st, sorry, starting in July 2031, Juice will explore Jupiter, the largest planet in the solar system, and its three ocean-bearing moons, Europa, Callisto, and Ganymede. In December 2034, Juice will orbit Ganymede to give the moon a closer look, and Ganymede is of particular interest as it is uh, the only moon in the solar system known to have a magnetic field. So if it has a magnetic field and liquid water, could be a win, although it's probably amazingly cold. We'll see. The mission will end a year later when it expands its propellant or expands its propellant and crash lands into Ganymede. Wow. Well, that's not, <laughs> it's not much of a welcome. Anyway, um, yeah, this will be interesting. This is over at the Hill. Mark Whittington is an opinion contributor who wrote this article. And um, let's see here. Juice joined several spacecraft that have explored Jupiter and its moons. NASA Pioneer 10, Voyager 1 and 2, through by Jovian System in the 70s. Ulysses threw, uh, flew by in uh, 1992. New Horizon flew by Jupiter on its way to Pluto in 2007, and currently Juno is in a polar orbit around Jupiter. Pretty neat. So there's a whole lot more in this article, um, but suffice it to say, the, the juice is worth the squeeze. If you're interested in this article, you can read the rest of it, but, um, you know... We're going to have to be a, a little patient, though, for the photos. <laughs> that's true. Um, but in a concentrated sense, we're going to be sending a rocket off to uh, Jupiter, icy moons, to explore. Okay. Uh, so the next article is um, involving Coachella. This is the first weekend of two. Um, Blackpink light up Coachella with hit-filled set and dazzling drone-powered light show. The last time powerhouse Korean girl group Blackpink played Coachella during the much-hyped midday set in 2019 on the Sahara stage, they were a different band and the world was a different place. The pre-COVID version of the group was the first K-pop band to play in North America. Well, the North America's most important festival. So let's go over to Variety, who's uh, Jeff Miller wrote this article. Um, anything that you miss, by the way, will probably be replayed the next day um, and in perpetuity until they get tired of it and pull it down, re-edit it, re-capitalize uh, it, and, and then publish it again. Probably that's how it's going to happen. But um, I haven't seen much of Coachella uh, stage anything acts i mean uh, there's only been a couple of them um, that i've been able to see but yeah I, I tend to like produced music more than live um and the audio that i see from that i have heard so far on youtube from this um it's all blown out or muted um or in some way uh, lacking 
Um, so I suppose you go there for the community, the camaraderie and the fun. Um, I just like music. So at any rate, so um, let's see here. What else do they say in this article? Yeah, you should probably just go over to the Coachella uh, YouTube channel and um, just start oh, watching. That's neat. It says that the drone part of the show featured um, previous pieces from um, Coachella festivals. So that's kind of neat. A Ferris wheel, butterfly, dragon, etc. Constructed from floating luminous balls of light high above the stage. It's pretty cool stuff. It's, it's kind of like the new non-explosive firework. Um, although I think it's dramatically slower than a firework, at least for now. We'll see. The four members of Blackpink, Jenny, Kim, Lisa, Rose, and Jizo, Jiso, Jisoo, maybe it's Jisoo, uh, along with a cadre of dancers and a crack band blasted through songs like how you like that and tally from 2022's chart topping born pink. Cool. So there you have it, folks, go and check that article out. Let's move on to the next one. This one is in the Warcrafters channel. It's a grappling hook horde survival shooters, free demo that already has the author of this hooked. I'm not the author. First spotted by Alpha Beta Gamer, Van Hellswing's free demo already gets the author's hearty recommendation. I love the name Van Hellswing because it has to do with apparently a grappling hook. I haven't seen this yet, but I will. Let me pull it up. Well, I don't know where it is because <laughs> it isn't. We'll have to take a look at it. Um, I'm not sure where it is because it isn't on um, Steam. So this is over at PCGamer.com. Ted Litchfield is the author. Van Helswing rules and it's completely free. I'm going to hit play just so you can see the demo and mute it. Oh, if there is a... Oh, wow. This is interesting. This is an interesting game and it's free. So uh, I wonder why it's free. <laughs> Van well, Helswing. How much do you have to pay to, <laughs> to do certain things in the game? Probably nothing. I mean, if they say it's free, they, they, they would probably say up here right at the beginning, you know, Hey, it says that it's free, but dot, dot, dot. Anyway, it's basically like devil daggers, horde mode. It says, PFS. I'm not sure if that's a typo or not. Survival against floating, swarming enemies, uh, except you're trapped in a vertically complex arena and given a sick grappling hook. So you're going to have to run around and, and then, uh, grapple your way from one level to another. Your sole weapon is a double barrel flintlock, which you use to take out swarming homing bats that grow in strength and number as time goes on. If you have one mechanical complaint, it's that it isn't really a clear enough screen shake or knockback to indicate that you're taking damage. Gotcha. So looks like fun. Not sure of the depth of the story, if there is one, but it's basically just a shoot, shoot, shoot kind of a game. 
Anyway, Van Helswing's prototype is a perfect little bite-sized shooter. They managed a high score of around 20,000 in their best run, tooling around in the game so far. While the best that they've seen by the game's official Twitter accounts are north of 70,000. Developer Code Glue seems keen on expanding the concept um, in the future, and you can check out the demo yourself on itch.io. So, or itch.io if you want to be a little bit more blatant about the name. I've heard people say it different ways. So, itch.io or itch.io. Anyway, I say I said it both ways before it was cool both ways. <laughs> so the next article is over in uh, Smack Talk because this one involves Apple in the incoming maybe mixed reality headset. Apple's still planning to make the mixed reality headset the main launch of WWDC 2023. A report claims with a probable release by the holidays. Oh no, a render of the potential. Uh, Apple headset is uh, in the it's a picture. So when we swat uh, when we switch over to Apple Insider, you're going to see this thing <clears throat> and I'm going to front load it with it's going to look like a pair of goggles that you would wear to go diving. OK, so Apple's long rumored VR AR headset has been dogged by delays and issues <laughs> dogged. They've never announced anything, so it's not delays and it's not exactly. issues. Exactly, It's all been rumors. <laughs> it's research and development and creating a viable product. It's not delays. It's not issues. If it was easy to announce and say that it's ready to go, it would have been announced and ready to go 10 years ago. But that's not how <laughs> fundamental research and development works, folks. Come on now. Uh, with an uh, appearance in the summer's WWDC potentially in doubt. No, they're they're not saying any of this. They haven't announced a product, so it's not, hey, we're doing it. It's we're having WWDC and we're talking about AR and VR. Not right. necessarily like a everybody fully... wants this to be there. <laughs> and there you go. This is the little thing where it's going to make a watertight seal so that you can just put your snorkel in and go swimming around in your bathtub with Apple branded dive goggles. It does look like that. <laughs> I, I've never liked any of these renders because it has this rubbery neoprene kind of uh, swim goggle strap strap <laughs> and and gasket connector i mean it's so weird why they do it like this but anyway uh, malcolm owen is the author of the article i don't know who did the artwork but it just says a render of a potential apple headset according to apple insider i mean if they do this i guess this is following apple's design aesthetic right this would be great for blocking out a vast uh, array of skull structure so that the light doesn't get in there, right? It'll block out the light for most people. That's one of the big problems with uh, VR headsets. But AR? That's nobody... what I was just going to say. I don't see how that would work for AR. Nobody wants to wear this for AR. And nobody's going to be wearing it, something that does all of this blackout. Even if it does change to being transparent, you know, uh, electrostatically, you can make something 
solid or clear, depending on the charge, right? So if you make this clear, now you're going to look like Robocop for crying out loud. I was going to say you're going to look like you're wearing swim goggles in a meeting or wherever you're using this, which would be really yeah. weird. Walk into a public bathroom and you're going to get punched in the face like a glass hole. That's what they called Google Glass people who wore those things into bars and clubs. And Well, that term may get reinvigorated. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they would call an apple. What? Apple pit? No. I don't know. What? They'd probably just call them glass holes as well. And they deserve it if they're wearing something like that. Anyway, Apple's long rumored AR VR headset is supposed to be announced at WWDC. And I just don't see it happening like that. Not a ready-made product that looks like that. If they're going to go AR, then it's going to be AR glasses, not goggles. Um, <coughs> I'm hoping that it doesn't look like that at least. Um, but I'm not making a prediction. I'm discounting the predictions that exist. <laughs> well, I, don't I can't tell when they show photos like that. It's not clear if the people writing the article are just making something up or are they getting something actually from Apple? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they were to say in their article, the render is based on comment from insiders, then maybe. <laughs> So it says here, as for when the headset will reach the public hands, German, Mark German, um, said it should be out in time for the holidays since it won't go on sale for several months, giving developers time to make experiences for it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not liking it if it's going in this direction. And I'm, I'm in the camp for Apple. You know, I like all other products. They always have worked for me. The only reason why I use PCs is because of everything other than Apple. <laughs> <laughs> like all gaming is basically PC um, or console, at least for now. If I could run everything that was PC on an Apple device and it didn't cost $10,000 for a comparable electronic package, I would be using nothing but Apple, but eh, it doesn't work out that way. So you play the cards that are dealt you. Okay. So did you want to add anything to this? No, I just can't get past the swim goggle look. Um, and we've talked about this possibly coming out and hopefully it's not rushed. And at what price? Right. And at $3,000, it's going to be ridiculed by people yeah yeah they said the same thing about the iphone oh it never hit three thousand dollars so it was much more approachable when it was 500 600 700 dollars right and it still prices a lot of people out yep. but it's nowhere near three thousand dollars yep well we'll keep an eye on it i'll be watching wwdc actually i might be available to stream it we'll see i don't know if um you get in trouble for streaming that stuff but I'll, i'm gonna start streaming what i can because um in a few short weeks i'm gonna be kind of wholesale uh streaming um six to eight hours a day if not longer depending on who is hanging out with me uh, we will end up calling it office hours um but 
in hometown. And then there's various shows that I'm going to be kicking off during this, um, many week period. I'll just say that. Okay. So this next article is involving something that I have been a victim of here in hometown. Um, kind of drives me nuts. And that is the users are complaining about a bug causing Apple devices to constantly ask for Apple ID password. Um, Apple online services have faced a lot of outages this month, and it seems that there's a new issue around. According to reports from multiple users, their devices are constantly asking for the Apple ID password. And even after entering it, the system informs them that uh, the login has failed. But it doesn't, it's not overt about that login notice, by the way. You type it in, you think everything is fine, you go back to the interface, and you're it asks for you to log in again, but your services seem to still be working, but then you have to log in again to reaccess them. Um, uh, that sounds Felipe, very aggravating. Yeah. Uh, Felipe Esposito over at nine to five Mac, put the article together and, um, it says, uh, update. I'll say this right out of the gate. I knew there was an update because that has a little EU up here. Um, but update down detector shows that many users are currently facing issues when trying to watch content on the Apple TV app. I don't know how old that update is. It doesn't say, um, and there's no revision control, but, um, I can say that there, that I've run into this problem on multiple devices, multiple times over the last several months. Um, and I wish that I could say that it's something having to do with hometown's firewall or um, whatever security apparatus might be uh, within the confines of hometown's perimeter, but uh, it, it is not. Um, so it says, according to 9to5Mac readers and also several users on Twitter, the bug has been causing Apple devices to constantly ask for the Apple ID password. And in some cases, users were even logged out of their Apple ID and were unable to log in again. And a user uh, said that even the Apple TV Plus subscription disappeared out of nowhere, making it impossible for them to use the platform. Um, I haven't run across that one, but this might be software related uh instance of updates taking place and then something being disconnected and then at a later date it'll come back could be minutes could be days <laughs> i don't know well um, we do notice every time there's an update things tend to go haywire things really do go haywire um so on april 5th multiple on apple online services remained inaccessible to users for hours um and uh, apparently they're uh, looking into it, I'm sure, but uh, it's kind of radio silence as far as I can tell. N nothing has come out saying, hey, we know of a problem. But Apple isn't like that. Apple's transparency is much more controlled. And if you can solve a problem before it becomes a viral problem, then you solve the problem. And then you say something like, yeah, everything's working again. It's kind of like the mechanic thing, you know the car is making weird noises and surging. And then you bring it into the mechanic and they're like, Nope, everything's fine. Oh, okay. And sure enough, it is fine. Or your internet is acting funky and you call up the ISP and, and say, Hey, what the hell, you know, I'm getting five megabits both ways. Um, and suddenly it picks back up to gig. Oh, well, okay. 
No complaints here. We'll see. But we're going to keep an eye on this, and this is kind of like the PSA thing. This is what's going on. Okay. Let's keep on going to the next article. We only have two left, including this one. And this one is uh, kind of an interesting conversation if we want to get into it too deep. Um, but when artists gain fame, gain fame after death, questions can arise over copyright ownership. Now, this is in the Law Nerd channel, but it also is fitting inside Right Protect because I've always had this problem and it doesn't pertain just to artists, to human beings. Copyright is an interesting concept because it it used to be tied to physical ownership of something um a, a, a body of work a, a book music etc but now it's purely uh, almost entirely ephemeral um and so if somebody licenses artwork for sale or the actual piece of artwork is out there and it's um like music a portfolio um when when a person who has purchased this stuff dies and it's electronic it's ephemeral what happens to the ownership rights of all of those purchases now take that to copyright ownership of an artist the artist who owns the music or the artwork or the whatever and they die now, with before getting into the article, because there isn't a snippet here, the way that they framed this um, in their distribution, it, it didn't have any text. It only has this title, um, but it's over at Above the Law. Oh, no, it's ABA Journal. I'm sorry, ABA Journal. Um, and um, I suppose what they're going to end up saying is that the estate, holds the rights 70 years plus the life of the creator right i think that's where they're going to go unless it's an older item and then it's going to be 95 years for example right um if because it's the free, rules i was changed. just looking that up 1978 is when that changed yeah um so let's see this is an article over at abajournal.com uh, by mike ramsey um and it's actually an older article but um, I figured that it would be fine to, to discuss it because it has to do with copyright. And I think maybe they did an update um, and added some context to this. But it says here, until recently, uh, Kristen Sadowski did not know she had a long-lost relative named Henry Darger who died 50 years ago or that he's considered one of the most significant outsider artists of the 20th century. That's pretty fantastic. So the estimate here would be that if they died 50 years ago, they have the 95 year window, right? Or 92. I can't remember. Um, no, because he, well, I don't know. Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong date in here. Uh, yes, I agree. There was a later date. So I was looking at that for yeah, somebody so else. It says the case entwining state level probate court and federal copyright law is the latest legal pit, uh, fight pitting family members of an artist who died without a will against parties accused of commercially exploiting the artist's work. 
It's also a noteworthy case for collectors or entrepreneurs who have attained or obtained an artist's physical work and may then be prompted to try to profit from its underlying intellectual property. They are different things. And this is stuff that I've been speaking to people um, actually recently um, because the for sale doctrine is for consumers and it's lost um, if it isn't a physical object and copyright allows you to sell the good but not make a knockoff of it you can't take a picture of it and start wrapping it around modern canvas and start selling it just because you own the master that's not how copyright works you would have to find the artist or their estate and request a license and then they can sit there and say well we know what the value of this artwork is and if you want to make you know, modern representations of this artwork, you have to declare it as a modern representation and pay us. So I suppose that the, all of this is what's going to come out in this article, right? Um, so let's see, Vivian Mayer, um, who died in 2009, left no will or apparent heirs. The retired nanny became famous posthumously as her incredible story circulated and after some buyers of her prints and negatives began reproducing her work. Pretty amazing. Um, the darker case, like uh, case likewise, comes after decades of silence. Sadowski, the artist's first cousin three times removed, says she understands why some observers, are, some observers uh, might wonder why the family is only now trying to claim it, his legacy. It doesn't make our responsibility as a family any less immense. So Darger was an unknown at the time of his death and buried in a pauper cemetery in De Plains, Illinois. Kiyoko Lerner said in a 2022 affidavit explaining how she and her husband look after the reclusive tenant and acquired his creations. However, solely uh, through their husband, and themselves efforts his works have now become part of museum collections in chicago new york paris and switzerland and darger is now recognized throughout the world it's an interesting claim considering they're not the artist right and they probably had no rights to anything to begin with the artist's relatives offer a different perspective in their federal lawsuit and related court filings. They say the learners took Darger's work without any legal authority, and they accuse Kyoko Lerner of disassembling bound volumes for distribution and sale and of registering several copyrights. One page alone from Realms fetched $675,000, the complaint notes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is an interesting case. Yeah, but they didn't have the right to do that, right? Somebody always owns the copyright, Slattery says. That's Ron Slattery, who was a witness for the frenzy that developed around Meyer uh, more than a decade ago. Slattery legally acquired several of Meyer's prints, or Mayer's prints, and negatives at auction but never reproduced any of them, he says, upon the advice of his attorney because there were too many legal questions. Well, and I think this one is a complicated set of facts because this person was thought to be without any family, and then the family was identified decades later. So, but it doesn't grant rights to any of the people uh, really mentioned in the article. 
uh, it still just complicates it, I think. And here's the problem that I have with this. They didn't know or care or wonder or investigate or anything about that family member. Well, the person lived in an orphanage. I don't think they knew they had a family member. I mean, there's obviously more of a backstory that we don't get from this article. Right. So nobody knew that this person existed. So they were onto their own. So unless a will says it goes to this person, wouldn't the original intent be it just goes to the state? Yes. And so that's the other, I think that's the other complication here because for probably decades, that's who had any rights to this, right? Yeah. And these people actually took this person's um, materials upon their death and profited and sold as if this person gave them the authority to sell their entire body of work. Right. This isn't like they're selling a painting, right? No, they they're took selling it and reproduced things it. like the mm -hmm. negatives or the original books, etc. They tore apart packages and and sold it piecemeal. It's basically stealing the boots off of some person out in a field who died in battle. You know, I mean, it's to me, it's a shame, but it's also a shame that nobody knew about this person um, yet simply through marketing and piecemealing their work, they get discovered. So they end up talking about the fact that you can, that there's two periods of copyright it was considered less favorable for artists pre 1970s who had to affix copyright notice to a published work to keep it from the public domain. Artists could also register the work for an initial 28 years of copyright and then later extend it. Now copyright is basically, it is implied. The moment something is embodied that it has a copyright, then you extend it by registering at the U.S. Copyright Office. That gives a date and an embodiment that can be researched and actually sets a a government-based time frame for recovering losses should somebody steal your artwork for that period of time. Not just upon discovery, but if they had been using it since it's public disclosure of a copyright, you can basically recover all of the monies that you gained, that somebody gained from taking your artwork. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Um, so there are a lot of instances in this one article and um, although yeah so there's been a couple of updates to this but um now the learners the motion to dismiss was denied <laughs> yeah because it actually has substance all of the materials from the person who died they may have been so let me scroll back up because we're not going to get to the end of this because it's an ongoing thing. Um, so the learners were what now they looked after their reclusive tenant. Well, exactly. Which I'm sorry, but that just suggests the possibility of an unbalanced relationship there. Yeah. And 
and make no bones about it if somebody just because they're a tenant does not mean that their property is yours upon their demise and it in certainly fact, doesn't mean that your intellectual property is correct yeah, yeah anything 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 in that estate in that house that they are renting that doesn't just become the owners it's not finders keepers look the dead body is gone now all this is ours all of that should have been packaged up and given to the state until either next of kin while probate is prosecuted, right? So, and the state would have sent out notices that this person had died and they were looking for heirs. And in the time of the internet, that is much more approachable. I mean, people are getting informed of, uh, family or even dead accounts at banks. Like I was notified uh, that I had a bank account in California one time and it had been something like 20 years since I was no, like I had opened that account. Um, didn't even know it was ex in existence. Of course, California gave me a very short notice and then said they took it, but that's something else. Um, at any rate, so, yeah, I mean, I think that I think the learners are going to lose this. Um, it was originally published in April, May 2023 issue of the ABA journal under the headline Finders Keepers. When artists gain fame after death, questions can arise over copyright ownership. But the one that they highlight, the learners, I think, is it, it isn't about questions can arise over copyright ownership. To me, it seems pretty straightforward. They had no right to acquire those goods. Oh, absolutely. But I think this article tries to tie together. There's a few different cases here that have somewhat similar facts. Um, and so clearly, but, you know, there's a difference in something being confusing or lack of errors being identified or whatever versus outright theft for example if that occurred here uh, or at least in one of these cases yeah um, i mean in my opinion it certainly seems like they took something that was not theirs and capitalized on it and and so much as they farmed it out trying to promote it as much as possible to raise the provenance of it well why weren't they doing this while that person was a tenant <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Because they wouldn't be able to benefit from it directly. They had to wait till this person, this artist, apparently brilliant, died. And then they took advantage of it. And I'm only talking about that one case. There's about 12 in here. So anyway, we're going to run really long. Um, so y'all, if you're interested in law, this is definitely one that you would want to go and check out if you're interested in intellectual property if you're interested in law copyright um, copyright specifically and how art is impacted by copyright you would definitely benefit from reading this um, obviously it's not going to apply to you if you're a living artist if the, the takeaway from this is create a will <laughs> yeah that is actually the psa in this article yeah because all honestly that would have prevented all of most this. of this <laughs> if not all of it 
Yeah, and keep in touch with somebody that can affirm that will, you know. Obviously, it's going to be tough if you are, you know, uh, distanced from everybody and the people that are uh, you are renting from, I don't know, shelter you until after your death. Uh, I, I don't know. There, There's more to this. And now I'm really curious. Uh, we'll have to keep watching this to see what happens. But finally, the last one for tonight is about $25,000 cars, which probably should be about $8,000 cars. If you take into account, the battery is the single most expensive thing on the car. Um, $25,000 electric vehicle is coming. The big implications for the auto market and car buyers. And there's a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles. Isn't the only way that EV prices are coming down for auto buyers. I think competition is driving it down. Tim Tim Mullaney is the author of this over at CNBC.com. And it says Tesla claims that it'll cut manufacturing costs in its next models by 50%. Manufacturing costs. That isn't the sale price. That's not price to the consumer. (laughs) Right. Great. They cut the manufacturing costs by 50% by doing something. Uh, we increased our profits. Correct, by 75%, because we raised our prices on the other end. Anyway, GM's electric Equinox SUV will come in around 30000 this fall. If it is the um, one that I know about, then, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, VW and Fisker are launching new EVs that are 30% more below average uh, U.S. new vehicle prices. Fisker retooled. It used to be kind of a custom vehicle and it was solar powered it actually had solar panels in the roof of the car um there is one that is just outside of hometown um, that i see regularly neat design definitely a sports car they're probably going to release something that's more like a passenger vehicle not a more like a sedan not a not a sports car but i don't know i'll have to look again It'll probably have really nice styling, but VW and Fisker are launching new EVs that are going to be cheaper than new vehicle prices. And uh, the new cars will be comfortable, but somewhat less, uh, uh, sorry, somewhat bare bones, according to analysts. And if the discussion that I saw about uh, during the open AI, like board meeting or something like that, uh, that I saw on YouTube live, um, Elon Musk was talking about a vehicle having a frame and things get attached to the frame in a more standardized fashion. Um, but I only heard a portion of it and I really don't understand Elon Musk because of his staccato speech. I, I just, it's like I'm all, no matter how long I listen, I feel like I'm walking into a conversation a third of the way through or I should say two thirds of the way through and I've missed the setup, but I've heard the punchline. Oh yeah. Hey, that's a, what? Anyway, that's all I was saying. Like every time I ever listen to him, I always just hear what? Well, anyway, if that's what is going on, then I can understand it. It, 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 ends up being a lot like what I want, which is I want a car that's more like Lego than it is 
purely custom fabrication where you have no ability to change things out easily because I'll give you an example, a car today, if it is, has a turbo, the turbo costs $2,000 and $80 worth of labor, or the air conditioner goes out and you have to spend $2,000 on labor and $80 for the part. It's, it's basically a, a big pain in the ass for anybody that owns a car to do any of the work themselves, unless they're a master mechanic and have thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Um, or you have a late seventies model car, which right. And the other problem is if you need a repair part and you're not doing it yourself, good luck. The dealership may not be able to get it. They might be buying it from a different country. It's very specific in the current manufacturing. Yeah. Um, but every, so they talk about hitting price points well below 48,000, which is the average new vehicle price, which Kelly blue book says has risen 30% in the last three years. This is all pandemic producer price stuff. And you can demonstrate that you can actually go and look at the producer price index. I don't have it open anymore, but I look at it regularly. It doesn't get updated every day, but it gets updated every month and the producer price index is what 33% above where it should be trending. If you would, if uh, the economics of uh, the nation would have been following the pre pandemic rate, pardon me. Um, so this is all producer influence. This is, this is caused by, people with the ability to produce raising the prices because they see that they can, because there's a lot of money in the system. It's the same reason why Nvidia isn't producing more. It's because they're in their enterprise class stuff is deeper pockets and the consumer side of things. There's enough juice being squeezed that they don't need to. So they've, basically they've cut production right they've, didn't they've, we see an article about that yeah because they're in certain things they've cut production um they can like oil raise and lower production so that the price point stays at a high that they're comfortable with in relation to the number of customers that just bulk so i tell everybody buy last generation you don't need this generation because last generation is good enough. Why don't you skip a couple of years? Maybe Nvidia will sit there and go, well, maybe we should do something else, but guess what happened right in the middle of all of that advice. AI goes gangbusters and guess who has the preeminent hardware for AI? Uh, maybe Nvidia. Nvidia. Yeah. It doesn't take an AI to calculate that. Pretty amazing, right? So out goes all of the wind from any sale that was trying to push, don't buy, don't buy. And then Intel kind of wets the bed with their ARC cards. If anybody's talking about ARC cards, it's basically part of a drinking game and they hope to get drunk. So Ouch. these 
<laughs> yeah, and these so these cars are going to be released, but now they're like bare bones and whatever, right? But the problem still is the battery. I don't want bare bones. I want a whole I want a feature rich vehicle, but I don't want ownership of the battery. Well, right, and I don't want the resale problem that exists right now because who's going to buy a used EV because of the battery? Yep, because everybody who does buy it either regrets it or they haven't gotten to the point where they're regretting it. It's the boat owner you know, right. dilemma again. <laughs> I mean, again. a lot of EV owners are relatively new owners. They haven't had the end of the car life cycle yet. Right. And the ones that have are sitting there going, well, I had to buy a whole new battery. It was five to $15,000 or you go viral by uh, basically blowing it up for a YouTube video. Anyway, Tesla's lowest price model today is the Model 3 at 41990 There are currently three EV models with base prices under $30,000. The Chevy Bolt, the the Bolt EUV and the Nissan Leaf, but average sales prices in March are still well above uh, $30,000, according to Edmonds, and above $34,000 in the case of the Leaf. So some more coming out. It says the startup Fisker, which actually has been around, but it was it was it ended and now is being refired as another startup. Uh, but Fisker definitely has been around, folks. Um, plans to launch a $30,000 pair crossover next year in the U.S. And GM is set to ship a sub $30,000 Chevy Equinox electric sport utility vehicle. I, I think it's great. I, I love that there is competition brewing. What I don't want is the damn batteries. I would rather have the same dynamic as an internal combustion engine where I pull into a gas station, but it's a battery swap station. You pull the battery out because all of the sleds are built around the same framework. Just like the original cars were built around uh, the same parts so that you could get them mass produced, lower the cost, get great adoption. What we need is a standardized electric package or sled that everybody builds their vehicle around that allows for the batteries to be swapped out. You have a bigger vehicle than the electronics package it, or however you want to do it is split up across multiple batteries or whatever it takes. Make it so that we don't own the consumable and ultimately we're paying for the electricity already now we're going to be paying for the solid state package because in the lifetime of the car it's going to die <laughs> yeah anyway so that's really all that they're talking about um what's going to happen to the market when twenty-five thousand dollar cars come are we going to be ready for the hit on the electrical systems? Everybody that buys one of these $25,000 cars still has to get an upgraded uh, electrical package in their garage so that they can charge their cars. They still have 250 to 350 miles. Maybe you still have to sit around and wait for them to charge upwards of two hours. Th this is no joke. I mean, we shouldn't be pushing it this way. 
we need an infrastructure that allows us to swap batteries. That's the only way that it makes us not suffer a quality of life. A massive change when we get this different car. I would love to go all electric. I would too, but I don't feel like we're ready for it. I don't mean us, but just society. Oh, they even say it in the article. The lowest cost EVs may have as little as 250 miles of range between charges. So let me check real quick. We, we could probably stick around for a little bit longer. Hold on one second. So let's see if you, <laughs> so if you only have a level one charger, it'll take 40 to 50 hours to charge a, a, a battery. So forget going to work for the week. Yeah. Um, so you can get it down to two hours um, with a supercharger. Yeah. Let's see. If you have the DC fast charger from Tesla or Chatamo or CCS, it can be as low as 20 minutes for the initial period, 80%, uh, up to one hour for the 240 miles. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that this is really it's working for some people, but I guarantee you they're not easily going across country or from state to state without spending four or five times the amount of time waiting to charge and whatnot. But right, in an it's probably working well for people that stay in one city, for example. Um, I, I can, uh, I can go. 350 miles easy in my internal combustion vehicle, but I would prefer it be EV and swap out the batteries. And then I'm in and out five minutes. I'll pay the fee. I'll pay 20 bucks to swap out a battery so that I can go another 350 miles. That's how much it is now. Actually, it's more for gas nowadays, but make it easy and frictionless to to make that happen so this article goes really deep into the economics of things um and and talks about a plurality of cars um but the twenty-five thousand dollar price point is approachable to most people well to a large sector of the market i don't know about financing a twenty-five thousand dollar car that has a so if you finance it for six years, right? Uh, that's the, and it would be more typical to be five years, but you can do 72 month financing for a car actually longer than that now. Um, but if you were to finance that car, there's a good chance by the time you pay it off, you have to replace the battery for another $7,500, not to mention all of the other wear and tear stuff that you're going to have to worry about tires and brakes and maybe other things right and contrast that with a regular vehicle where you could trade it in for a pretty good value 
toward a new car at the end of that extended period. And not have the stigma of a bad battery. It's like COVID, a bad battery. Never mind. Eh, you'll have to listen to more of the episodes if you're going to catch that. That's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we are done unless you want to add something else to it. No, I don't have anything else. All right, folks. So we always bring you back to the welcome sign for hometown mash that uh, logo and we get a refresh of the latest news that has been pulled in. It's only some of it by far, only some of it. So yeah, let's see. Sega Sammy shares fall uh, sharply on news of a deal for angry birds game maker. People are miffed about that. Um, there was some talk about Sega buying the angry birds manufacturer uh, maker. Not sure why, but I guess I'll have to do some uh, reading to figure out what that's all about. See anything interesting? Nope. Want to call it a night? I think we can call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. want to thank you all for hanging out and uh, go over to YouTube and like and subscribe and ring the bell and then go download the podcast. Uh, it's all up to date. And um, I don't know. Come and hang out every day, 9 p.m. Eastern, right? That's right. Good night, hometown citizens. Bye-bye. Thank you.